Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, budgeteers. So excited to be with you today. I got Sarah along here with me as per the usual, and we are going to continue to tear into the taboo. That's right. We're going to talk about your personal finances, that nasty taboo subject. And today we're talking about the, the emergency fund. And I stuttered over the emergency fund because here at New Money Habits, we affectionately call it the peace of mind fund. But you might know it as the emergency fund. They're interchangeable. So Sarah, welcome. And would you, you do me the honors of kind of defining what is an emergency fund for our listeners who may not be familiar? Um, well, thanks, Nino. I would love to. And I'll just say as a little side note here that I have always called it an emergency fund. And since we've been doing this podcast and um I have now turned it into the peace of mind fund with every, all of my clients. It's no longer an emergency fund. It is now the peace of mind fund. And um, so thank you for opening my eyes of a new way of bringing in some positive vibes right into our, our finances. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so the emergency fund, as may, many people might know it, peace of mind fund, as we call it here, it's really a fund separate from our, that separate, right? Um, generally held, I would say maybe in a savings account. Sometimes people hold it in cash, but it's for those things that come into our life that are unexpected. Murphy shows up, right? This, the dreaded Murphy person, again, um, shows up and brings something unwanted into our lives. So we have, when we're putting together a budget, part of our plan is always to plan for the things that are unexpected. And that might sound kind of, you know, like an oxymoron. How can you plan for the unexpected? Well, Nino, I'm sure you know, but something will go wrong, right? I mean, we're going to have some type of unexpected expense, something come up in our lives that um, while we might not know exactly what it is, we can plan for an unexpected event. And that's why the peace of mind fund is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to um, remind everybody that to your point, we're not going to necessarily know what that unexpected expense is, but you do know what it's going to be. Meaning mm -hmm. either the car is going to break down, you're going to have to replace an appliance, you're buying new furniture, mm -hmm. whatever that, that, well, maybe not so much. Uh, I don't know about that one. Well, the reason I went there is because for us that still have little kids, sometimes they go and they go like they destroy something. And so not that it's mm. necessarily an emergency, but we will get to what constitutes an emergency and what doesn't in just a little bit. Mm. But yeah, you know that, you know, the car's going to need a repair. You're going to have to replace an appliance. Something is going to happen that mm -hmm. you weren't otherwise planning for. So then it kind of becomes this mm. catch-all of let's have an emergency mm -hmm. fund. And like we've been saying, let's have a peace of mind fund. And I want to take just a second mm -hmm. to kind of differentiate the two. So why, why mm -hmm. the difference? Why do words matter? Because words matter. But an emergency fund, 
means you're you're sitting around just waiting for something to go wrong and an emergency to kind of pop up. But a piece of mind fund just means that you have some money set aside that when something unexpected does occur, you have the peace of mind to know that you can take care of that unexpected event mm -hmm. and you can continue to move on managing your finances well without additional stress. I mean, doesn't that just sound better? I love it. And every single one of my clients that I have um, introduced this new terminology to, right, and made this change with them, every single one of them has loved it. And even now I find when I'm talking about it myself, how much more peace I get because I believe that that energy we put out, right, it comes back and knowing that an emergency is, is a crazy time. It's generally stressful, mm -hmm. right? And it causes us to this fight or flight where we're sometimes paralyzed with what's, what are we going to do? How are we going to take care of this, right? Because things happen and um, knowing that we've got a peace of mind fund, I think it just changes, it certainly changed my perspective on it that, I'm not inviting something negative into my life, but should something unexpected come in, whew, I know that I can handle the stress of the situation without the stress of the financial part of that because I've got my peace of mind fund setting there. Yeah. The peace of mind to know that you can handle your finances mm -hmm. and continue to move on. Just recently, the, uh, the washer mm -hmm. broke and, you know, that was a, $250 repair. So knowing that mm -hmm. we had money set aside in case of an unexpected event, we didn't expect the washer to break. So <laughs> it does, it gives you that peace of mind and it allows you to like continue to manage your finances stress-free. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm finding too, Nino, that when I'm talking with new clients, a very common question is how much do I need? Mm -hmm. Right. How much do I need in this emergency fund? How much do I need in this peace of mind fund? And, um, you know, I'm just going to say that for what I believe out of 99.9% .9 of the people that I work with, that a thousand dollars is not enough. So I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> I do not believe that a thousand dollars is enough. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> blasphemy. <laughs> But I agree, yeah, well, $1,000 is usually sure. not the right amount. It sounds too much like a one-size-fits-all approach. And you know, here at New Money Habits, we don't like one-size-fits-all. We like to meet people where they are. So if not $1,000, mm -hmm. what is the right amount, Sarah? Well, you know, I go through this exercise with everybody that I'm working with. And, you know, we sit down and we kind of make a list, honestly what would or what does an unexpected, you know, emergency, what does an un unexpected event look like in your life, right? So let's just go through and let's write them down. And, you know, and I'll be real honest, Nino, you know, sometimes people will say anything over $50 is, you know, puts me into because their budgets are so tight, you know, or income they're feeling so, so tight. And so I want to talk about this. What does it look like? Because for some people, it's that extra $20 that the kids need for, you know, a school science fair project, right? That can really push them over the edge 
because budgets are so tight and living paycheck to paycheck is, you know, stressful for them and other people, you know what, it's, it's more, um, Hey, if I'm in a car accident, you know, I've got a thousand dollar deductible on my car insurance, you know, that's putting me into a, you know, a, a more stressful situation. So we sit down and we go through this whole exercise. What does or what would an unexpected event look like in your family? And we also write down what's the expected expense? Like what would it cost to fix that event? And how does it affect your life, right? How would this actually affect your life? Because I believe it's more than just the dollars. We need to really, we're, if we're putting together a peace of mind fund, it's more than just the dollars sitting in account. We want to bring peace knowing that your situation. So sometimes that unexpected event will come with other things, you know, kind of subsequent missing work. You know, you've got a kid that maybe has to spend some time in the hospital. So not only do you have additional medical expenses, those co-pays right away, um, but you're missing some work and maybe you don't have that, you know, vacation time or sick time to use. So that needs to be figured into your peace of mind fund, right? And so we sit down and we go through this and, and by using those numbers and those events and looking at what your budget are, looking at what your budget actually looks like, right? Do you have a deficit in your budget? Do you have um, some discretionary funds in there? Um, how does your budget handle an unexpected expense as well? Right. And that's how we determine how much you need for your fund. I really like that. Um, it, as you're explaining it, I'm sitting here like kind of going through the the exercise in my head. Like, OK, well, I know I, I'm just thinking back on a, a couple of unexpected events over the last, say, two or three years. Um, at one point, the hot water heater needed to be replaced. Well, that was $1,200. And um, I'm thinking about like the washer that needed to be repaired, um, $250. And then I started thinking of like other ones like, oh, well, I needed to replace the tires on the car. And I was like, wait a minute. That wasn't necessarily an emergency because I, had I been like in an accident or like had a blow a blowout where now I have to replace it kind of outside of the timeline that I otherwise expected to. But like, I was just kind mm -hmm. of going through that, that kind of mental um, exercise as you were kind of describing mm -hmm. what you talk about, talking about like how much that would cost, but then also just talking about like the additional stress or the other things that that could mm -hmm. uh, cause. What a great exercise. Right. Well, and I think it's important to mention too, you know, I said, you know, a science fair project isn't an emergency in your life, but it can cause stress if your budget is, if you're not financially prepared for that, right? And so when, oftentimes when we're, certainly for me, and, and I would assume you you have a lot of the same experiences when you're meeting new people, gosh, I'm getting a little tongue-tied talking about all of this, but, you know, when you're when you're so tight with finances and really living paycheck to paycheck and feeling like you're falling behind, really a, a $20 out of your norm can feel very stressful to people. And why that might, 
while that might not necessarily be an emergency or an unexpected, it can throw everything else off. And so that's why I like to go through and have clients really just do the full breakdown, right? What, what added expense, what unexpected thing, right? Event comes in to your life that would throw you kind of off, off kilter, right? And then let's build your, your peace of mind fund around that. And I'll tell you, you know, for a lot of my clients in, in my own personal life, and I'll share a quick personal story, if you don't mind that, you know, there was a period of time that, um, my husband and I were on our journey, you know, doing pretty well, you know, getting some debt paid off, had some money in savings, you know, um, we incurred some more debt, but, you know, medical has always been a big thing. And I've had, um, 17 surgeries, um, in about 22 years. And, um, there in, in 2010 was a very difficult time for me. And I'll tell you the end. So in 2010, we sold a house and lost some money on it. So we had to pay to get out of it. My son was diagnosed with type one diabetes and our, our personal, um, deductible was, um, $4,000 a person at that point. And so when, that hit. Now, while we could make payments right to the hospital and everything, a lot of medical supplies, they don't allow you to make payments on. And his medical supplies alone were $5,000 right off the bat. And so that hit us in a place of, wow, like we just paid money, right? To get out of his house. We just bought a new house that we had, you know, closing costs on. And then you get to the end of 2010 And um, I had a surgery the first part of October. My dad was tragically killed in a motorcycle accident and didn't have a will or anything and didn't have any life insurance. And so then that was, dare I say, an emergency for us, right? And so if we wanted to have a burial and and have a, a funeral, we didn't have an option to make payments on these things. We had to pay and they don't give you a whole lot of time. And then come January, I had another surgery. And so we were hit with, tens of thousands of dollars, um, really in a very short amount of time. And I have been passionate ever since then about making sure that you've got a peace of mind fund, because I'm telling you, if it's going to hit, it's going to hit and it's going to be tough. And, and, um, without now we did have a little bit of a fund built, but, um, that's why I do this exercise because your life will change, can change in the blink of an eye. And so um, having a peace of mind fund is a non-negotiable. Right. It's a non-negotiable. Well, certainly I would agree with you there. It's not negotiable. You have to have one in place. Uh, if you don't mind me mm-hmm. asking, I, 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 would, I think you would agree that those were some um, – um, I'm looking for an adjective for circumstances that I like can't seem to get to come to my brain right now, but those were some kind of extraordinary, of norm. extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I don't know that anybody could have possibly foreseen, you know, four or five events like that. So mm-hmm. what, I, I guess I, my question is kind of two parts or you can, you can choose to like answer one, um, over the other, uh, if it makes more sense, but how do you determine how much your peace of mind fund should have Mm -hmm. been 
to try to fend against some, like I said, extraordinary circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, again, you know, um, deductibles, right? And out-of-pocket expenses, if you know what your deductible for health insurance, you know, for personal. So what I would say, what, what we could have done a better job at was knowing what our personal individual deductible and family deductible was and also the out of pocket right for health insurance that was that would have been an important number to okay. know and also what it covers and we didn't know that um as well at the time now we had a lot of medical so i was a little bit aware but not on the medical equipment for my son so that kind of hit in a place that i i didn't know, have that answer to and so um our peace of mind fund wasn't built enough that it could handle that type of hit all at once, right. quite, quite frankly. So knowing those numbers for us could have been beneficial. Um, so, and again, medical, a lot of times you can make payments on, you know, the mm -hmm. deductible. So we're not having to pay that deductible, you know, immediately here it is, but with medical equipment and prescriptions and such, you do, you don't have an opportunity to make payments. So just knowing what your insurance covers um, same, I would say with car, right? What is your deductible and, and how quickly do you need to pay that? So having those, that information handy, super important to yeah. know. Yeah. Would, okay. I can see how, if you knew the fan, like if you knew the annual family deductible for your plan and you had the equivalent saved, mm -hmm. instead of having mm -hmm. to pay the deductible at, all at once, you could have made payments, but you would have also had a nest there of money mm. to help out with the medical equipment. Um, and so, sure. so I, okay. And so what do you advise? Like, so this is the process that you go through with your clients where you're sitting down, you're kind mm -hmm. of talking these things out. Have you, mm -hmm. have you noticed any trends about like, what are we talking? Are we talking a $5,000 emergency fund or a peace of mind fund? Are we talking $10,000? you get to that point and it sounds a little scary or maybe even mm -hmm. undoable if I'm under a mountain of debt. So have you come mm -hmm. up with some trends or? You know, no, because I think everybody's situation is so unique to them and it depends, you know, are you an entrepreneur? Mm. Um, are you the sole supporter of your household? You know, are, do you have two incomes? Do you have children? Do you, you know, there's so many factors, I believe. Um, and so there's there's a lot of differences. I will say, generally speaking, um, anywhere from about two to $5,000 is approximately the range that most of my clients have for their starter peace of mind fund. It, you know, it kind of ranges in between two and five. And it just, it depends again on how many incomes do you have coming yeah. in, you know, if, um, again, a lot of those factors, yeah, yeah. right? Are you an entrepreneur is, is, you know, a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I, it, it, it makes perfect sense that there would be, you have to kind of consider all of these different factors. Um, mm -hmm. something that you said really kind of struck a chord with me. And that is first you, you used a term called starter peace of mind fund. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean, mm -hmm. but I want to kind of circle back around <laughs> for our listeners. Like, what does that mean? But mm -hmm. then the thing that really struck me is like, 
are you an entrepreneur or more, maybe even more importantly, like, are you the sole income in, in a culture here in the U S that is increasingly dependent on a two income household when you're the only person working outside of the home, it, it, it makes being unemployed a little bit scarier. I think uh, in previous mm. episodes, I've shared that ex that experience of where my wife and I have made yeah. the decision that she was going to stay home and, and raise the children. That's what she wanted. That's what I wanted for her. So being the sole provider and then being laid off made me realize mm -hmm. I didn't have quite the, the peace of mind fund that I should have had either. Um, and now being a, uh, an entrepreneur and with a very irregular income, it, it calls for a different type of peace of mind fund. So if, if, if yeah. you could for a moment, go back to kind of starter peace of mind fund, explain that a little bit, and then talk about how you take some of these other bigger factors, like being a sole provider or an entrepreneur and yeah. calculate that into this peace of mind fund. Sure. So, we believe that, you know, part of your plan needs to account for these unexpected things happening, right? So the starter piece of mind fund is a much smaller account that you have that's going to cover just those unexpected things that come up, right? That we've done a pretty good job of trying to plan for everything, but it's much smaller. It's not meant to cover for six months, right? Or a year of job loss. That's, that's not what we're trying to do with a starter fund. The starter fund is really for, again, those unexpected events, right? The, the smaller things, a new appliance, mm -hmm. right? Or the blowout or, you know, some unexpected medical expenses that come up that you have to pay for. Um, so that's more of a starter fund. And this is the two to $5,000 that you're, you're generally Generally two to five thousand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I already forgot your other question. Well, the other part <laughs> of that was just so. How is that different for somebody who might be mm -hmm. self-employed or somebody who's the sole provider in the household? Mm -hmm. So we generally bump it up. So we look at what is at least one month's expenses really look like. You know what um, full month. Um, and with an entrepreneur, you know, we've we've built, and I'm going to throw out a term here that we probably won't dig too deep into today, but, you know, a kind of a hills and valleys account that, that we've built with the entrepreneurs because income oftentimes is very irregular. Um, and so we've kind of accounted for, you know, some, some different um, income coming in. But, you know, I generally say one month entrepreneurs closer to two. Um, because we know, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, business goes up and down, right? Yeah. And we want to make sure that we allow ourselves some time and, and, um, to bring that revenue in, to bring that income back in. Because if your business is down, again, this is thrown out, your business revenue is down, right? And so you need extra funds to run your business along with paying your personal expenses. So I generally say between one and two months worth of expenses is, is kind of where we start okay. off. I will, I will say I have a couple of ideas um, that uh, our listeners could, could um, implement 
either in place of or in addition to some of the things that you've outlined. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, we, we could probably spend it, and we will, we'll spend an entire another episode talking about like a hills and valley, valleys, what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Anybody out there who's listening to us who owns a small business, runs a small business, is self-employed, is a freelancer of any kind, you know all about feast and famine months. You know sometimes you're going to have a really good income one month. I mean, heck, if you if you sell real estate, you know this. Like maybe you sold mm -hmm. four houses, you made $120,000 in commissions, and so that's great. And then next month, nothing. We will dedicate an entire episode to what I like to call a consistent and predictable income, even for people who sell real estate, are self-employed, mm -hmm. are consultants, you know, it's a freelance writer, whatever you are, and that income is mm -hmm. highly irregular, we're going to dedicate an entire episode to talking about how to make it consistent and predictable. But for that same awesome. group of people, I think you hit it. It's, it you really need to be thinking about three to six months. And so the three to six months of savings might not necessarily be personal savings. I might want you to have a business account where all of your business revenue goes into, and then you pay yourself a consistent and predictable income every single month. So if you made $25,000 in the month of May, don't pay yourself $25,000, pay yourself five, $6,000, whatever it takes to run your household. And then the rest of that is what I would, mm -hmm. I would call retained earnings, fancy term for savings that allows you to have <laughs> three to six months of income stocked away while you're waiting for other revenue yeah. to come in. But that's a whole nother conversation sure. for a whole nother day. As far <laughs> as the starter fund, and the size of it, I told you from the top, I agree with you, $1,000 doesn't usually cut it. I also take my clients through an exercise which is much smaller scale. It's not as involved, so it's probably not as effective because you're really thinking through what, um, what could come up and what could those things cost you. But what I have found as, as a, um, a replacement for the one size fits all. Everybody has a thousand dollar emergency fund. I came up with a different one size fits all, but at least it is based off of your income. And that is, I, I encourage in that, and I found that this really works for the starter fund with many of my clients to have at least 25% of your take home pay for a month hmm. in, in the um, peace of mind fund. So that, let me say that a different way and then let me put some numbers to it. I said 25% of your take-home pay. Really, you could also just equate that to one week's pay. So whatever your mm -hmm. pay is for a week, have that set aside. If you, if you bring in $4,000 a month, then it would equate to $1,000. 25% of 4,000 mm -hmm. is 1,000. But when I started working with high-income earners, and, and, and couples that are bringing in 10, 15, $20,000 a month, mm -hmm. they looked at me sideways when I suggested that they have a $1,000 emergency fund back when I used to call it an <laughs> emergency fund and back when I thought $1,000 would cut it. 
And what they what mm-hmm. I found is if they're bringing in ten thousand dollars and they have two thousand five hundred saved, so twenty five, they felt more comfortable. That felt more mm-hmm. uh, appropriate for their income. And again, that's just the starter fund. We talk about sure. a starter fund until you hit some milestones, and once you achieve some other milestones, a different conversation for a different day, then you'd want to have three to six months of income set aside. But if you're looking for kind of a quick fix, you could take 25% of your take-home pay and at least dedicate that much. Let that be you know, the, the bare minimum that you're saving. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like what you brought up there that felt more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've talked about the way our money makes us feel in past episodes. And I think it's important too to look what really feels comfortable. Have you been in a situation before, right? That an unexpected something, right? Unexpected event came up and hit and you didn't have that. What what could have helped, right? What what do you really feel comfortable with having, not based on fear, you know, mm-hmm. we that's a whole nother conversation as well, but what really feels comfortable to you to have in a separate account, knowing that should something happen, we're going to be okay. We can handle yeah. it. Right. I, I think that bringing in and allowing ourselves to recognize what feels right is very important. And I don't think we're doing that enough just as a collective, right? How does this make me feel? Um, and what feels right to me? So um, I love the way that you bring that up and, you know, how have, have had clients say, you know what, this doesn't feel right. And so let's make an adjustment. Yeah. And I want to take that point that you just made about like what feels appropriate. And I want to partner it with an idea that you expressed earlier about um, when you're talking about what could be an emergency. And you kind of gave the example of a science project coming up for for school, you know, your kid's school. And maybe it's just $20 in supplies, but you didn't plan for it. And so like this could really throw things off. Mm-hmm. I think what I want to encourage our listeners to think about is what should the emergency fund cover and what should be part of your plan? So very, very practically, mm-hmm. very specifically in mine and my wife's budget, we have a line item for Uh, school supplies and expenses. Because once upon a long time ago, I didn't like the feeling goes right back to like, what, like, how does this stuff make us feel? And we're all trying to establish new money habits. And and those habits should alleviate the stress and anxiety that we have with our money. But I didn't like when my wife would kind of remind me like, oh, hey, the kids yearbook is is coming out and we have to buy that. And, oh, um, they, they need, um, you know, supplies for the, for whatever this is for the classroom, even if it was just like that time again to replenish supplies in the classroom. So I was like, you know what, let's put a line item here and let's think about everything that would go into school supplies and expenses. So the yearbook, their uniforms, their supplies, Mm -hmm. their, Mm -hmm. their, um, their uh, athletic registration fees, all of that stuff, so that it went there and we built up that to be big enough to 
to cover any unforeseen events at school specifically. Mm-hmm. And we did this in one other area of our budget very specifically, and that was with the car. So I think I've shared in, in past episodes, we have a separate checking account with a separate debit card to use at the gas pump. And I talked about why we did that for convenience. But I track like how much it's costing us in gas every couple of weeks. And I don't put in just enough to cover the gas. I put in enough to cover the gas and then some. Because the and then mm-hmm. sum builds up over time so that when I need an oil change or I need to get the car serviced in another way or I have that unexpected blowout, I don't have to turn to my peace of mind fund because I'm building in some of these unexpected events in other categories where it just makes sense to be more prepared. I love that. I love that. And, you know, we do something very similar, you know, very similar because we know that we're going to need new tires, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's a fact of life. If you drive, your car is going to need new tires. It's going to need, you know, full servicing. And so we do, we've got in our plan, we've accounted for those things happening. Um, and that's not necessarily an unexpected, right? And And even if you don't have the full amount, like you mentioned there, it at least lessens the blow. It lessens the amount that you have to pull out of your peace of mind fund, yes. right? Because you, you've got some money saved in that car maintenance fund, right? In that car fund to help ease the pain of that unexpected expense that came out. And it helps to not have to pull all of that out of the peace of mind fund. And to, the, to that mm-hmm. point, just to kind of solidify it with, with the example again, um, it was about eight months ago, had to replace the transmission in our van and replacing Mm. transmissions. That's fun. Did I know (laughs) we were going to have to, I mean, we were getting up there. We had 140,000 miles on the, on the van. So I suspected that might happen, but Mm. our car maintenance fund only had about 1200 extra dollars in it. So when the, uh, transmission needed to be replaced and it was 2,500. I didn't have enough mm-hmm. in the car maintenance fund, but at least I had a significant amount to, to your point, reduce my dependency on having to take the money out of my peace of mind fund. And so, sure. yeah, you might not always have everything to cover every unexpected event, but mm-hmm. in heck, even some of those, uh, things I was talking about, like oil changes. I mean, that's not unexpected. That's routine maintenance every so often, but at least it, cause if you're, if, if you don't kind of add it into that category, then either you need to kind of put it, put an oil change on the budget as a line item in a specific month, or you kind of forget about it altogether. And then where are you turning to mm-hmm. in the when you're like, man, I really need to get the oil change. Oh, I guess I'm taking it out of my emergency fund. But does that really constitute an emergency? Not really. Right. It's regular maintenance. Right. And actually, you know, didn't we have a question yeah. kind of asking about this yeah. this specific thing? Um, I thought I saw one come through. Yes. So you're absolutely right. Somebody asked specifically about 
um, what we constitute a true emergency and mm -hmm. what justifies dipping into the, they called it the emergency fund. So I'll read it as emergency fund. Mm -hmm. But so what constitutes an emergency mm -hmm. and what justifies dipping into mm -hmm. the peace of mind fund? Sure. Well, <clears throat> you know, I generally say that if Murphy's going to show up, it's going to show up in three areas, your car, your home or medical. Mm. <laughs> um, now there's some others, but seems to be the, the three big ones. And so I say, you know, again, talking an oil change is not an emergency. That's poor planning. Yes. Right. Poor planning. Um, so I look at it, emergency, you're pulling out of your peace of mind fund or things that you truly didn't know were going to happen, you know, just kind of out of left field. Here comes this event that came and it's not, um, you know, a, a trip to the ER, mm -hmm. you know, that you have to pay that, um, you know, your copay, which is generally a little bit higher, you know, so that, that might be, a um, an, an emergency, you know, an unexpected event, a blowout, you know, on your tire, um, the hot water heater yep. quitting in your house, right? Um, some travel plans when you've had maybe a death or somebody really sick in the family and it's, you know, last minute and you need to get across the country or someplace, you know, jump in the car last minute. That would be, I consider, you know, an unexpected event that is is absolutely necessary, right? And so those are a couple of examples what I consider, you know, and what I would pull out of my peace of mind fund to help cover. Yeah. You used a very important word just now and you said, or expression, you said what I consider. So I think at the end of the mm -hmm. day, the only person who can really define what an emergency is, mm -hmm. is you, our listener. But I will tell you, as your accountability partner, as your, you know, you're just your person out there in the ether that has no emo emotional tie to the thing that's going on in your life right now, I will tell you that birthdays are not an emergency. That would be poor planning. Christmas mm -hmm. is not an emergency. That is poor planning. Um, like you said, you know, routine maintenance on the car, even like replacing tires. Okay, so there's a difference between mm -hmm. having a blowout on the freeway and 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 it's just time to replace the tires. Well, replacing the tires is not an emergency. That was poor planning. So it really is about and and the more you can constrict what you define as an emergency, the more peace mm -hmm. of mind you will have. Because for instance, the washer went out. And I was not overly pleased with the amount of time we were going to need to wait for a repair person to come. Mm -hmm. But what it did make me realize is it is not an emergency. There were alternative ways for our for us to wash our clothes. My wife was incredibly um, creative in um, just taking uh, laundry duties to a different level. So to, as she wanted to avoid going, having to like pack everything up and going to the laundromat. So she mm -hmm. hand washed some clothes, but not 
not just a couple, like she did like full loads of laundry in the bathtub, whatever. Wow. Right? So she was very creative. <laughs> but what it, what it made me realize is like, we didn't have to run out and replace the unit. Mm. We just had to be patient. We had to get it repaired. The repair obviously costs significantly less than a replacement would have. And we didn't, we didn't go crazy. Like we didn't allow it to control our situation. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can kind of constrict what you will dub an emergency, the more peace of mind you'll have around, okay, that can wait. So I'll go back to the tires for a moment. You might not know exactly when you need to re- replace the tires. And so maybe it kind of, it, it, it becomes kind of known like, oh, okay, the tires are kind of getting bad. I really need to replace these within the next couple of months. Well, now you have a couple mm-hmm. of months to save up and pay for that expense. Unless, I mean, unless it's completely dangerous. I don't want anybody going around driving on really bad tires because <laughs> Nino told you to constrict what you can <laughs> consider an emergency. <laughs> but I think the point I'm trying to make is a lot of times something comes up. And we think we have to address it right then in that moment. Heaven forbid, we're inconvenienced even a moment. And it's like, Mm -hmm. do you have to address it right now? Or can that be used as information to say, okay, over the course of the next couple of months, instead of paying back my, my emergency fund or paying off a credit card, because maybe you haven't established an emergency fund yet and you're using credit cards as an emergency fund, and for that, I say, give me a call. We'll talk. And we'll get... Right. <laughs> right. I digress. Okay. But sometimes it's just about recognizing in that moment that you don't have to address it right then. It's now information for how you need to plan for your money in the upcoming couple of months so that you can then take action on whatever it is. Now, if it's a hot water heater, you got to get it fixed. If you live in Phoenix, Arizona and your AC goes out, you got to get it fixed. But what if you live in East, in in Phoenix, Arizona and your AC goes out in January? Now you have 4 months to save up to get it repaired because you're not going to need that unit until May. Right. Well, and I think what you you know, I, I don't think you actually said it, but I I'm going to bring to light that you're really deciding what's important to you, mm. right? And when you start putting your plan down and you're creating line items for things, you're recognizing what's important to you. And when you're creating your peace of mind fund, you're really recognizing what is important to you. And when the washing machine goes out, you're recognizing what's really important to you. I could go out and buy one brand new right now and spend a thousand dollars or it's not that important to us to use those funds for that. We can hand wash a few things and we can get creative and we can wait the week for the repair man, you know, to get the parts in to fix it. Right. So you become, I feel like more in control of how you're using your dollars too. And you're really deciding what's important to you at the time. And that's powerful. Yeah. You just used another, it, it is so powerful. And you just used another great word and that is control. You're in control. Mm. So we're talking about Mm -hmm. identifying what's important to you. We're talking about you being in control. Instead of life happening to you, you are happening to life. 
you're in control. Yes. You get to make the, these decisions. And, um, and I'm, I'm just a big believer that whether you make $10,000 a year or $100,000 a year, if you manage your money well, you're always going to feel like you have more than enough. I, I, I've worked with plenty of high income earners who, when I first met them, they all felt like they didn't make enough money for their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I bet I would offend a bunch of people if they knew that somebody who was bringing down $125,000 a year felt like that wasn't enough money because it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you don't manage it well, it's never going to feel like it's right. enough. And I've worked with right. people who make 20 to $30,000 a year and they have immense amounts of discipline. And when they implement the mm -hmm. discipline to their money and they're in control, all of a sudden they feel like I, I have all this extra money to do the other things that I want to do with. So it really is about how you manage your money, not how much money you have mm -hmm. to manage. Yes. Yes. I, I want to say that every single day to people, right? That it, it doesn't matter how much you have. It's how well you manage it. And, and just really recognizing that when you put your plan on paper, and you're starting to build that peace of mind fund that you really have an opportunity to look to your future and just start designing things the way you want things to look instead of always looking back and wishing, right? And paying for everything that happened in the past, you really have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to need new tires in six months. So I can, I have the ability to start preparing for that now. My car registration is coming up in three months. I have the ability to make that a priority right now. Those are not emergencies. Um, it's poor planning. And sometimes that's hard for people to hear, but it really is the truth. And when you start planning, truly planning, things start to turn around and you, you really start to look at life differently, I believe, right? I've seen it with my own life, but with all my clients that just the peace that it brings yeah. when you've been able to plan and have that peace of mind fund and know, you know what? I forgot about vacation. I didn't do so well about setting some money aside. So I'm going to pull it out of my peace of mind fund. No. Don't do it folks. No. Don't do I'm it. Plan that vacation. <laughs> and that's the other thing, you know, the plan, the, the dreaded B word, the budget, it gets such a bad rap, you know, budgets can include family vacations. Because it's just your plan. Yes. What? They can? I, I was told. <laughs> I, I keep hearing that they can't. They can. Yes, they can. Oh. Um, your plan can include whatever you want it to include. Now, your plan might mm. spit back at you at the end of it, like you don't have enough money to afford everything that you want to do. But that doesn't mean you can't put it down on your plan. And if you're looking to plan better, if you're like, okay, mm. I'm, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to plan and I'm gonna to put together my peace of mind fund and I'm gonna plan these other expenses. Well, you can always visit newmoneyhabits.com and download our free uh, budget spreadsheet. That will help you to uh, plan out your money according to your pay periods, which we think is very important. So you'll see when your money's coming in, you'll align it to when the money is going out with your expenses. And that plan will help you to um, achieve these things that we're talking about, like putting together a peace of mind fund, like having extra money 
uh, just laying around ready to go when you need to get a oil change or uh, replace your tires, that sort of thing. Also, we have a bonus tool to talk about today because we've been talking about the Peace of Mind Fund. If you go to newmoneyhabits.com, you can also download our Peace of Mind Fund calculator. You want to know how to calculate what? your peace of mind and the fund and how much that should be? Go ahead and download that free tool there as well. Well, Sarah, yay! this was another fantastic conversation where we, I really feel like we dug in. We really kind of explored a couple of different elements of the peace of mind fund, how to kind of manage that money well. Um, I encourage our listeners, if you have questions that you would like us to address on the show, or you just have questions in general, you can email at, email us at podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. That is podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Wow. Thank you for hanging out with me again, Sarah, and, and uh, addressing this topic today. I really do appreciate it. Well, Thank you for sharing all your insight. I always leave with something new to consider afterwards, and I appreciate that. Same, so, thank same you. here. And thank you, Budgeteers, for tuning in. We look forward to continuing the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.